seated. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the truths of your word. And as we just sang here just a second ago, your blood has washed away my sins. Thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made so that I could have eternal life. Bless your people today. Bless the message. I pray all that's said and done this morning would bring you honor and bring you glory. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mark chapter number 10 this morning. Mark chapter number 10. And just continuing on here in chapter 10. And today just three short verses we're going to look at. And today's message doesn't have a lot of do's. It's more ta- more going to think about what Jesus has done. And I hope that as we look at the message this morning that it will open up our hearts to him as well as just help us to well, we'll read the verses, and then I'll explain myself a little bit after that. Mark 10, verse 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Ever have you, maybe um, the greatest example for me would be my kids, or I could think of, uh, think of Brother McKee's classroom at school. And one of the things that I've heard Brother McKee do is, all right, you guys have a verse test coming up, or you have a project coming up. And I hear in the multiple times he'll give them warning that something's coming, something's coming. And then every once in a while, I'm sure I'm not in there on most time on those days, but I'm sure often the day comes, oh, man, I forgot. It's like, how could you forget when you've been reminded and told several times what you need to do. Well, here, this is the third time that Jesus has taken time to tell his disciples, hey, guys, it's getting close. Some things are going to happen. You need to be prepared. This is Jesus' entry. He's going to Jerusalem now. We'll see he makes a stop in Jericho on the way in the next few weeks. But as we look here, he's making his way to die, is what he's doing. And he tells them once again, this is what's going to happen. Now, not stealing next week's message, but we look at the very next verse, and we see that James and John want to ask him a question about sitting on his right hand and on his left hand. They still didn't get it. Over and over again, he has told them these things, and they didn't get it. They're going to Jerusalem here. This is going to be the end. And as we look at this today, I mentioned the message today. My message is not so much what we can do here. We're going to look at what Jesus did. But we look at something very interesting in the middle of the verses right there about the disciples. The Bible says in verse 32 there in the middle, it says, and, they, and as they followed, and it, right before that it says, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Jesus always produces some sort of reaction. 
And I would hope that today as we go through the message here in the next few minutes, that you would be more in amazement and more in awe of what your Savior's done for you. We look, Jesus hasn't died yet. The time hasn't happened. He's prophesying about what's ahead. And we're going to look at the end of the message today. My points are simple today. They basically are the things that they did to Jesus, and we're going to look at how they were fulfilled. But before we go there, I thought I would take a few minutes and we go back to the Old Testament. My Bible reading this week in our Bible reading app that I'm going through that some of you are doing with me. We took, went through the Old Testament and showed some foreshadows and things leading up to Jesus in journey number two. But a thousand years before Christ was born, these words were penned in Psalm 22 by David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, verse number 6 tells us, But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lips and shake, their, shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Verse number 14 says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. And in verse number 16, it says, For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. A thousand years before Christ died on the cross, these words were prophesied. That's a long time. Put that into comparison. Go back a thousand years from right now. So, a thousand twenty-two. Tell someone in 1022 that there would be cars in 2022. Tell them there would be a place called America. They would think you're nuts and crazy. But everything that these verses we read, the Psalm of David, came to pass. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, which was written 700 years before Christ came and before he died, I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Isaiah 53 tells us he is despised, and it's amazing today, Jews still don't understand that this passage was written about Jesus Christ. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter number 11, written about 500 years before the Lord came. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that was the prized act of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. And what do those 30 pieces of silver represent? The 30 pieces that Judas was paid to betray Christ. 500 years before this time. We look at our text today, it's three short verses, so you think the message might be short, and you might be exactly right this morning. We'll see as we go. I haven't preached it yet. But as we get going here, Jesus is making his way back to Jerusalem. If we were to follow it through the book of John, we'd see that Jesus, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, he left again. There are people that wanted him dead in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, he was going, and you say, why were the disciples afraid? They were afraid because if, they, if Jesus goes back to Jerusalem, they know what is waiting him. It's not going to be wonderful. Jerusalem, as we see, the Bible tells us, as we look at verse 32, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Now, if you look at a map, you kind of look, and it almost looks like going down to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem's on a hill, so anywhere you come from, you're going up to the city of Jerusalem. So they are up in this area. They're going to go through Jericho, and then it's about, from Jericho, it's about 20 miles of, away, which, you know, for some 20 miles, I could do a 20-mile hike, I think. I've done a 10, and a, I've done a 13-mile hike with Louie that almost killed me, but I... And, but there's this 20-mile hike. It's a long hike, and it's uphill a lot of the way to get to Jerusalem. The Bible tells us here that what they were on their way up. It's, you think about the Old Testament and the Psalms. There were the Psalms of Ascent. And as God's people would come to Jerusalem, they would go up to worship the Lord. Psalm 122, a famous one that we often quote. The Bible tells us, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And it says, Our feet shall be within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compacted together, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of the Lord, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. When we say that Jerusalem was up, that's why it says they went up. Because you look at a map, you're like, they're going down. But to get to Jerusalem, you go up. And I know some in the room, I saw Gary and Johnette shake their head because they've been to Jerusalem. I'm a little jealous of them that they've done that. I haven't been able to do that yet. Someday, and we've talked about it, we've got to start planning that out and plan a church trip there, start saving so we can do that in the next few years. And we'll talk more about that on another day. But as we go and we look here, the Jews, Jerusalem, they had killed John the Baptist, Jesus was basically going to die, going back to Jerusalem. He understood this. The Bible talks about the fact that as he went, and as we look here, not only did he go, but look at the next part of that verse there. It says, and Jesus went before them. Not often do you see the fact that Jesus actually was walking ahead of them. 
he goes before them. This is the only time in the book of Mark you see that. And so the word ahead is used of bringing prisoners out of prison. And you see, Jesus was, you've got to understand something. He was not loathing the fact. He wasn't scared as he was walking. He was ready to go to fulfill the mission that God called him for in his life and what God wanted him to do in his life. And we look and we think about in other passages in Luke 9, 51, it talks about how he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew he had to do this. He knew it was time. And I love how the Bible tells us in John 10, verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus was no helpless victim on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was going as a lamb to be slain. He was a willing sacrifice, willing to die for the sins of his people. His death had been promised since Genesis chapter number 3. His death was pictured in the very skins that Adam and Eve put on there in the garden that day. And it was pictured through the sacrifices of the Passover and all that time and all those things that would take place. And I want you to understand something this morning. I love this passage because the disciples, and we just these short little three verses, the disciples, they were amazed, but they were also afraid. But as they were going towards Jerusalem, do you understand that Jesus went before them? He was there. Hey, this morning, I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know where you're headed or what's going on in your life. But may I just remind you today, the Lord's there leading you through it. He will guide you through. And just as he was there and leading those disciples back to where he needed to go, he's doing the same in your life today. And praise God for that. As we look... We see, the Bible tells us as we continue on, that they were amazed as they followed. They were also afraid. But I give the disciples, you know, at times we'll give Peter a hard time. We'll give the disciples a hard time for things. But I give the disciples their props here. They still followed. They were scared. They were amazed. Can you imagine? The feelings were all over the place. To be amazed means to be in awe and wonder and to be afraid as we look here. This was quite the deal. And yet, in along, as we continue in the verse, it says, and he took again the twelve. So he's already told them these things. He took them again. And he does this often. He tells them and describes to them, Remember, someone, a Pharisee or a scribe might ask a question to him, and then he'll explain it some, and then when he gets his disciples by themselves, he'll go deeper into it with them. And as we look here, you think about in the first time he said, hey, the Son of Man is going to suffer many things. And the second time he went a little deeper into things. And the third time he goes even deeper. And we see he begins to tell them what things should happen to him, saying, behold, we go to Jerusalem. Look at the next phrase. And the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a messianic title used over 80 times in the New Testament for Jesus Christ. The idea is that the Son of Man is God and man together. Jesus tells us in this morning, the message, it's pretty simple this morning. We see eight things this morning 
that Jesus said were going to happen. We're going to read it here. I'm going to give you the point. We're going to read it here. And then we're going to go further in Mark and read how it took place just as Jesus said. Number one, this morning we see he said that he shall be delivered unto the chief priests and the scribes. We look at that verse right there and it says, Behold, we go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. When we look at that there, we look at what the Bible tells us in Mark 14. Do you have Mark 14? Verse 10. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, who did he go to? He went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. You look at verse 43 and verse 44, that same passage, and immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had taken them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. So by this time, you look, this hadn't happened in Mark chapter number 10. And Jesus said, hey guys, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man, as we see here in our text, he will be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. It happened exactly the way Jesus said it would happen. The seeds had been planted in Judas' heart, and the chief priest was in charge of the temple worship, and they were representing the Jewish people, and Jesus would be taken to them. Number two, what did Jesus say in our text? He said, not only shall the Son of Man be delivered unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. We go back to Mark chapter 14, and we look at verse number 64. Ye have heard the blaspheme. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Isn't that what Jesus said? Was Jesus in Jerusalem yet? Did all these things happen when he said these words? None of this has happened yet. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They're going to make a pit stop in Jericho, and we'll see a healing that takes place. But he's on his way to go, and he knows, Hey, guys, I know I've told you this a few times, and you haven't gotten it yet, so I'm going to tell you again. The son of, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be taken by the chief priests and the scribes. I'm going to be condemned to death. He's telling them these things. And this is a legal, when it talks about being condemned to death, this is a legal term indicating that he would be tried and found guilty and sentenced to death. That's exactly what happened in that Jewish court, which never should have taken place at night. There's so much more I could say about it. So much was wrong in the way that they did it. But Jesus said he's, he's going to be delivered unto the chief priests and the scribes. He's going to be condemned to death. Next, we look at the verse here. It says, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Now, when you think about that, and you look at that, it's like, yeah, what's a good wording that I want to use? The Jews hated the Gentiles, and that's putting it mildly. They wanted nothing to do with them. And so this must have really stung for the disciples to hear 
that they were going to hand him over to the Gentiles. Gentiles were not only outsiders, but they were also the enemy. But you'll also understand this. They were also the ones who God used to chasten his people. When they would go wrong in the Old Testament, who were the ones that brought the punishment in? Other nations. Gentiles did. So we see this happen once again with Jesus here. And you say, well, why did this happen? Look at what Mark 15, 1 tells us. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a uh, consultation, a consulate, wait, a consultation with the elders and the scribes. That's why, and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away. And where did they deliver him to? Pilate. Is Pilate a Jew? Who's Pilate? He's Roman, right? So was Jesus, who was Jesus delivered to? A Gentile. Just like the verse says. Why did Jesus have to be taken to a Gentile? Because according to Jewish law, he was worthy of death, but they couldn't kill him. They needed Rome to kill him. You see how this all works together? And, you know, sometimes we like, and we hear people say often, the Jews killed Jesus. Let's be technical in the terms. Technically, the Romans killed Jesus. But the Jews had their hand in it. And let's just be completely honest this morning. We all had our part in Jesus being killed. It was our sin that put him on the cross. So we see Jesus once again is telling them these things. Hey, the Son of Man shall be delivered to the chief priest. And the they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Did all those things come true? Yes, every single one of them. Number four, they shall mock him. They shall mock him. The word mock means to scoff, deride, and make sport of. They humiliated him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. The Bible tells us in Mark 15, verse 17, And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. Say, so why did they put a crown of thorns? He's the king of the Jews. They mocked him. That's what they were doing right here. We think about verse number 20. It says, And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him and put on his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. We look at verse 31. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves and with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. So once again, we see every detail that Jesus gives before it ever happens playing out just like Jesus said. Number five, we see in our text, And they shall mock him next and shall scourge him. They shall scourge him. It sounds like we got kids downstairs, but there's no kids classes going on right now. So, Unless that's Bridget getting after Julio right now. That could be what I hear. That's kind of like a kids class. The two of them are pretty entertaining. I think that's them down there. The Bible talks about, and they shall scourge him. John chapter 19, the very first verse says, and they scourged him. 
And to us, it doesn't go into great graphic detail, but a Roman system of scourging, the condemned was stripped and tied to a pillar in the bent-over position. While the soldier used leather straps weighed with sharp pieces of stone, glass, whatever it may be, and it would rip into the skin and tear the flesh out. And they're nice. They didn't do it 40 times because that was a death sentence. They'd do it 39 times is what they would do. They scourged him. It was so awful. And you talk about, even they talk about the soldiers that would do this had to be just demented to be able to do this to him. He was beaten beyond recognition. I've heard people give graphic descriptions. And you might have watched some of those movies that portray Jesus. None of them show truly what it could have possibly looked like. I think one of the better explanations I heard, and might be wrong, might not be, but was you think of ground hamburger. He was literally torn open. They were going to scourge him. Number six. And shall spit upon him. Today in our culture, it's not a very good thing, and it's pretty low for someone to spit in your face or to spit at you. But as bad as our culture views that today, it was so much worse in Roman culture than in those days. To spit into someone's face was absolutely awful. And the Bible tells us in Mark 14, verse number 56, or 65, and some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say, prophesy. And the servant did strike him with the palms of their hands. Chapter 15, verse number 19, the Bible says, and they smote him with a reed upon his head and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshiped him. Happened just like he said. We keep on going, number seven. And we see, and they shall spit upon him. And what else are they going to do? They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. The Bible tells us in Mark 15, verse 16, And the soldiers led him away into a hall called Petorium, and, there, and they called together the whole family. We look at verse number 22 through 24. And they bring him into a place, Golgotha, which being interpreted the place of a skull, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. When he received it not, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. He was crucified. Literally put on public display for everyone to see. His hands were nailed to that cross. His feet were nailed to that cross and the excruciating pain that went through his body and the son of man the son of God died on the cross that day I'm glad Jesus didn't stop at number 7 and leave us hanging but what did he say number 8 on the third day he shall rise again 
We think of Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. For it was very great, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white garment, and they were afraid. And he said unto them, Be not afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is not here, or he is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they lay him, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. And there ye shall see him. And as he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. He rose again. Praise God that he rose again. Jesus fulfilled everything that he spoke. The problem is, and this is where I want you to pay attention for the last couple minutes. I know you're thinking, Pastor's done. I'm just about done. This is the third time that Jesus told them what was going to take place. He told them everything they needed to know about what was going to happen. He told them that what the chief priests were going to do. He told them how they were going to be, he was going to be condemned to death. He told them how he was going to be mocked, how he was going to be spit upon, how he was going to be scourged. He told them how he was going to die on the cross, and he told them that he would rise again. And yet we just read these verses here in Mark 16 a minute ago, correct? Did we just read those? Was Mary Magdalene and the other ladies going to see the resurrected Jesus three days later? Hey, where was Peter? Where was John? Where were the other disciples at? Didn't he tell them three days later he would rise again? Am I missing something here? How many times did he tell them these things? He went through it three times. They weren't paying attention. They didn't get what Jesus was trying to teach them here. And because they didn't get it, think about all the saw with him literally if they were to have taken a few notes they could have followed along the entire story of what would take place from what Jesus said instead of being fearful and being hidden in an upper room and fearing for their lives and wondering what's going to happen next instead of going fishing and totally forsaking everything like Peter did if they would have just listened to God to begin with, they would have gotten what they needed, and they would have been just fine. But before we're too hard on the disciples today, God has given us everything we need right here. Every problem you face, every heartache you go through, He's given you everything right here. And it can be repeated multiple times. But do we 
I think we do like the disciples. Hey, guys, I got to tell you again, this is what's going to happen. And again. Hey, Jesus, okay, I get that. But hey, um, my, me and James want to sit on your right and left hand. Can we do it? We're preoccupied when we come to the Lord. Oh, I read my Bible today. I did my devotions. And you're preoccupied with what's coming next in the rest of the day. You're preoccupied with what's going to happen here. What am I going to do? And you miss what God's trying to tell you. You miss what he's trying to give you to help you. Say, why did Jesus tell the disciples these things? I don't think he was telling them that to, so that they could look at him and be like, wow, you're going to go through a lot. He was telling them so they knew what was coming. The book of John says he loved them to the very end. He wanted them to be, be, be prepared and be ready for what God had for them and what was coming. But they weren't. Why? Because they didn't listen. Let me challenge you this morning as I close. When you read the Word of God, pay attention. Hey, when you sit in church and you hear the Word of God preached, pay attention to God's Word. Get something from God's Word. When the Word of God is preached, I don't care who's preaching it, if this book is preached, you can get a lot from it. They had the living Word before them, and they didn't get it. You have God's word. And we do the same things. Everything Jesus said was true and happened. Everything this book says is true. Everything it says about life and how to live it, it's true. It's always right, never wrong. It's always right. So let's do better than the disciples today. Let's get what the Lord's trying to teach us. Let's listen to him. Let's not miss it. I don't want to miss it. Every time you open God's word, there's something there for you. Every single time. I don't care if you're in the book of Leviticus. There is something there. It's God's word. God's word is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There's something there for us. Third time Jesus tells the disciples these things. Where were they Sunday morning? They weren't there. Did he say he would rise again three days later? Isn't that what he said? And those, those ladies went because they were full of faith. They didn't go because they were full of faith. They were going, wondering who's going to roll the stone away so they could have finished anointing his body. It wasn't finished because Passover had come and they had to stop. But if they would have just listened to him, they would have known what was coming. If students would listen to their teachers, they would know that the tests and quizzes are coming. And even if their teacher doesn't say it, their teacher on their screen says it to them as well. And so, and it comes down to this, because I've had students come to me and be like, I just didn't know, and then I'll go ask Brother McKee. Brother McKee, you t I've told them for days. 
I've had some, remember, we've talked several times. Did you, the student told me they didn't know anything about this. And you're like, I've told them for days. And their teacher on the screen tells them as well. And you know my answer to them? Tough luck. You should have paid attention. Do you know the disciples could have saved themselves a lot of heartache and trouble if they would have just paid attention? And I'm going to speak for myself right here. I'm not speaking for you. I would do myself a lot of favors in this Christian life if I would just pay attention more. That's when I get in most trouble. When my focus and my attention isn't where it should be. You know when we go start sinning and we get into sin? When our attention and our focus isn't where it's supposed to be. Didn't the Lord tell Peter he would deny him three times? And what was Peter's response? Pride. I will not. Right here, James and John. Hey, we, can we one on the right, one on the left? Pride. Thinking they knew better than Jesus. Remember one of the times that Jesus said things, and Peter's like, Lord, it's not going to happen. It will not happen. We need to take Jesus at his word and just listen and do what he tells us to do. And we could save ourselves a lot of heartache, trouble in our own lives. Father.